Hello, hello, and welcome back to D Stories. My name is David Jacobs, and these are my stories. I'm a professional voiceover actor, and you can find me on the internet at davidjacobsvoiceover.com. That's davidjacobsvoiceover.com. If you want to contact me, it's david at davidjacobsvoiceover.com. I'd love to work with you if you have a need for any kind of voiceover from commercial, corporate narration, e-learning, IVR or phone systems, your hold messaging, whatever it is, I'd love to audition for you and see if we can't do some business together and I can help you out with a nice voice. If you're a voice actor yourself, I'm actually putting together something new as I realize that there are many, many voiceover coaches that will help you with mostly performance, sometimes marketing, but there's very few people who will help you specifically with your technical needs. Not all voiceover people are technically inclined, and there are a lot of technical things you need to know in the career. So I'm setting up a little service that I will provide where I will help you with a lot of your technical needs. I do come from a technical background. I did uh, desktop computer support for a long time and worked in IT at various companies. So I can help you with a myriad of technical issues that you might be having. I'm setting that up right now, not quite ready to launch, but pretty soon I will give you uh, the website for that. But if you're interested right now, go ahead and email me, david at davidjacobsvoiceover.com, and we can talk about uh, what you need, and we can, you, we, can, we can get started right now if you'd like to, even before I officially launch. Speaking of technology, today I want to talk about how it all started for me. I've told the general story of how I got into computers and then what fell out from that. But I want to talk about um, 80s tech, which is really Gen X tech. We Gen Xers grew up in the 80s, of course, and 80s technology is um, very cool, very special into itself. It's really the decade where technology really came into its own. It's a very cool and special time. And I'm going to start with, for me, where it all started. This is the very first part of the longer story that I sometimes tell, but I'm just going to talk about this very first, um, this very first little crystal that kicked off a lot of what would come. And this is also really the beginnings almost of the rise of the personal computer, the personal computer that was inside your house, that was at your schools. Now, Yes, the Apple II gets a lot of praise for being really the breakthrough computer to usher in the rise of the personal computer, and that's true. It deserves a lot of credit for that. But for me, it actually started just a little bit before the Apple II with a little company called Commodore. That's right. And a computer called the Commodore PET, P-E-T, I don't honestly remember what that stands for, but I do believe it stood for something. The Commodore PET was a pretty large, bulky computer, all-in-one, where the monitor sat on top of the unit itself, small little monitor, green screen, and there were not even floppy drives yet. We loaded our programs on a cassette tape. I mean, a, a cassette tape like you would play your old-school music on. 
but the cassette tape plugged into the computer, you hit play, and that would load in the program. Oh, yeah, we're going way, way back to the very beginning, folks, okay? And it just so happened that my best friend, Brett, his mother worked in a school. And at that school, they got one of the very first Commodore pets for the school. Very first computers for school. Pretty darn innovative. And she would bring this thing home on the weekends. And we could mess with it and check it out. And it was wild and fun and like, what is this? And of course, being kids, our gateway to computers, as it is for so many kids, was games. Gaming is actually very important because it is the gateway to learning more about computing and getting on to other things. But it can all start with just games because what do kids want to do? We just want to play a game. And it just so happened that this Commodore pet had a really good Monopoly game. It had other games, but its best game was Monopoly, and it was actually a very, very good version of this game. So we played Monopoly on this thing all the time, all weekend long, and some other games as well. We just played games and messed with this thing and tried to figure out uh, as much as we could how it worked and what's going on. It was fun and exciting, and that's what kind of broke the seal for me on the whole computer thing. Because then we discovered that our school, our high school, had Apple IIs. And it was even more exciting with the Apple II, and it just went on from there. So yes, the Commodore PET, one of the most important uh, computers in, in my life. Other 80s tech that I remember, speaking of games, Pong. Again, I'm going way back, folks. I talked about, in the last show, we talked about video arcades and all the incredible, fun video arcade games that we used to play. Well, way before any of all that was developed, the very first actual video game was Pong. And Pong was a black and white screen with two little paddles, which were just rectangles, and a little square ball that went back and forth. And that's it. That is it. Two rectangles and a square, and the square just goes back and forth, and that's Pong. And that was the first video game, one of the first, graphical at least. And it was fun. That was our fun, right? Today we've got 3D, virtual reality, high resolution, a little square going back and forth on a black and white screen is where it started for Gen X. And if you want to go, we'll rewind just a little bit if you want to. Even before Pong, we had video games that were text-based. I played this on my, um, on my Apple II when I got an Apple IIe. It's a game called Zork. And it's an adventure game. And it's completely text-based. No graphics whatsoever. The Apple II could do kind of graphics a little bit, but not that much. So a lot of the games were text-based. And you would just be typing text into the interface, and it would say, you are standing in a cave. There are two paths to the left and the right. On the ground is a backpack, a flashlight, and some food. And then you would type whatever you wanted to do, like pick up backpack. And it would say, you have picked up the backpack. Pick up the food. You have picked up the food. Eat the food. You have eaten the food. Now your energy goes up. Walk forward to the right. 
you are walking forward down the right path. Now you are in a passageway and it just described where you were, all the things that were around you, and then you made decisions on what you want to do. Do you want to move forward, move backwards, pick something up, use an object? All done in just text alone. And you had to use your imagination to fill in the rest. Then we got the Atari 800. The Atari 800 is a really critical machine in, in the video game evolution. The Atari 800 had graphics, the best graphics that we'd seen so far. It, it, it introduced the cartridge, the idea of a cartridge that you kind of plugged in to the uh, main gaming unit, and that's where the game was stored. Oh, the Atari 800 was fabulous. One of the coolest old-school gaming systems ever. It was like amazing amazing and it kind of proved the that gaming was going to work that this was huge that kids loved it and after the atari 800 boy nintendo showed up sega showed up and it was just on it was on from that moment forward unbelievable then we had things like the vcr video cassette recorder and i mean big tapes at first. The VHS was a big, old, crunky tape. And then Beta came around. Beta was smaller and theoretically better, higher quality. But VHS eventually beat down Beta in the end. And this is how we recorded things. It was the first time that we could actually record video onto a tape that you could use at your house or your business. It was wild. Or you could buy movies. For the first time, you could buy a movie on a tape and bring it home and play it in your TV. This, this was wildly revolutionary. Movies at home? And you can own them and play them over and over again? VCR, man, changed the world. Unreal. And then I remember my first microwave oven. That is right. I am old enough to remember we never had a microwave oven. Nobody did. And then we got our first microwave. And it was like a miracle. Like, wow, microwave. That sounds techie and cool. And what is this mysterious device? I heard you could heat up water in a minute. You didn't have to go to the stove and turn on the stove and wait for it to get hot. And it might take three, four, five minutes for you to get some boiling water for some tea. But in the microwave science, you could boil water in just a minute or two or so. And that's the first thing everybody did. Put a glass of water in, turn it on, see how long it takes to get hot. And it was only about two, two and a half minutes or whatever it was. It was a lot faster than anything we'd ever seen. And then after the microwave came the TV dinner. The microwavable TV dinner. A whole dinner that you could put in the microwave. Heat it up in like five minutes and you got dinner. Done. Again, change the world. Dinner in five minutes in the microwave. No one had ever seen this before. This didn't exist. Nothing. Just unbelievable. Yeah. And then, the ultimate... I remember the day we got cable TV. Yes, that is right. I come from the days where you just had a television and, a, and an antenna and you got your local ABC, CBS, 
usually public uh, TV, what have you. And that's about it. All of a sudden, one day, the cable guy comes and he hooks up the cable TV with the little box. And we've kind of heard a little bit about this. And then he turns it on. And you're like, whoa. Oh, my God. I've got how many channels? 60? I don't remember. Back then, it was maybe, wasn't as many as today. But it was a lot. It was 60, 70, something like that. 60 channels? And one of the first things that came on was Australian Rules Football on ESPN. Wow, I'm watching football from Australia, man. That is so cool. ESPN, an entire network that plays nothing but sports? Oh my God, this is fantastic. There's a network that plays nothing but news. And there's HBO, Home Box Office. HBO, movies. We had had the VCR, and you can rent movies or buy movies on the tape, but now HBO would just broadcast the movie right to you. No going to the store, no buying a tape. Just sit down at 8 o'clock, and we're playing Towering Inferno. It was fantastic. Now, I had a friend down the street, and we always went down to his house to watch the HBO because his parents had a big TV. We just had a normal-sized TV, nothing special. It's fine, but nothing special. But he had a big, the biggest TV probably you could buy at the time. And I think they even hooked up the stereo. They had a sweet setup down there. So we always went down there to watch HBO because we could get movies just in like, bam, big old thing. We watched uh, Thunderball, the James Bond movie, you know, and uh, like I said, Towering Inferno, one of the great epic movies of, of Gen X, Earthquake, which came after Towering Inferno because they realized, oh, disaster movies, this works, let's go. Earthquake is a great movie. These are cheesy as hell, but they're great in their own way. If you haven't seen it, go watch Towering Inferno. Go watch Earthquake, especially. No one ever talks about that one, but it's cool. All these disaster movies. And then Jaws. Jaws showed up, and it was like, boom. The, you know, mega, mega movie, Steven Spielberg. This is the thing. And of course I want to see Jaws. Everyone wants to see Jaws. But my parents were like, no, 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 it's violent, it's gory, no way. Not for kids, uh-uh, not going to see Jaws. And I was disappointed, of course. Then my dad went on a, on a business trip somewhere. And on the, flight, on the plane flight back, they showed Jaws. And so he saw it. And then he got back and said, oh, it's not that bad, actually. It's not half as bad as we thought it was. It's, you know, it's not that bad. You can go see Jaws, whatever. And I got to go see Jaws after that, you know. And there was another uh, horror movie. Uh, again, I would recommend watching it. It's totally cheesy and crazy, but it's called Grizzly. This is a real, you got to dig to find this, but Grizzly is a great horror movie about, of course, a grizzly bear that just rips the hell out of all these people. It's great. And we went out to South Coast Plaza, which is the big mall in, uh, you know, Southern California, Newport Beach, Costa Mesa. And there was a little theater across the way. It was totally jam-packed, sold out. And I remember the lady said, okay, well, you know, 
I can give you a ticket, but you're going to be sitting in the front row. Just let you know this is sold out. You're going to be front row. Just we were like, okay, whatever. You know, it's Friday night. We got nothing to do. Who cares? So we sat front row, which is awfully close, for Grizzly. And it was just so great, cheesy fun. This is when the, um, you know, horror movies were just starting to roll. We would have uh, the very first Friday the 13th and a couple of years after that. Um, yeah, uh, I liked uh I like the horror movies uh, like that. And so cable TV and HBO was like some sort of a miracle, like the microwave, like, oh, my gosh, there's TV all the time and all kinds of crazy stuff. And that was cool. And that's the Gen X tech that I remember. Pong, Atari, VCRs microwaves, then cable TVs, and it all started with the Commodore PET. And one last thing I'll leave you with. It's not really um, Gen X during my childhood in the 80s, but it's another, and so it's another it all started with story. It all started with. The reason I eventually became a webmaster I was one of the very first webmasters in the whole country, literally. Probably I was one of the first 20 or 30 webmasters ever. And the reason is because there was a day I was working at Adobe Systems, you know, Photoshop. I was technical support for Photoshop and Premiere, the video editing. And I was a Mac nut those days. So there's a Mac magazine called, um, oh, now I can't remember the name. It was a Mac, it was a Mac Week Mac Week, yeah, because it was a weekly magazine for Mac and tech news. And I walked over uh, just before lunch to the mail room, and there's my Mac Week in my mailbox. And I'm walking back to my cube with the Mac Week. And on the bottom of the front page, and I think it was on more the bottom right-hand corner, but it was front page, bottom, there's a story about NCSA Mosaic. And this is the very first graphical web browser. Revolutionary, incredible. We knew the web had been invented, and there was something called links, where you could browse the web on links, and that was a text-based uh, web browser, which worked fine. But this was graphical. You could see it all. There was layout and formatting and graphics, and wow. So, of course... Immediately, I started to try to figure out, how do I install this? Of course, there's a firewall at Adobe, so it doesn't really work. Then I dig around some more, and I find a version that one of the engineers at Adobe had hacked to get through the firewall. And now I'm browsing the web with a web browser. And this is exciting and fascinating and wow. And I start teaching myself HTML. I'm pretty good at the tech support now. The first level support is really pretty easy. There's, you know, eight or ten things that you should do with every single client every time. It just doesn't take a great deal of brain power to go through the motions uh, until you get to a certain point where you've done all the routine things. So I'm coding HTML and messing around and trying to figure out how all this works, you know, while I'm on calls and in my spare time and I teach myself HTML. And that eventually leads to be me being a webmaster. And that eventually leads to me really having that digital marketing career. 
But it all started with Mac Weekly on that day at lunch and the NCSA Mosaic article. It's just incredible the little things that can change the trajectory of your life. It's crazy. One little magazine, one little program, and I was off in a whole new direction that I never even knew existed in the past. Nobody even knew this was something that barely existed. It was being created as we were doing it. And that's what I have always kind of fallen into and always kind of loved, being so far out on the edge that I'm involved in these things that are being created as we're doing it. We're surfing the wave as it's forming. Same thing happened with podcasting. I was one of the very, very first podcasters to ever podcast, first 20 or 30 people. It it didn't even barely exist. It was starting to exist as we were doing it. Same with the web. Just, I've always loved being way out on that, uh, on that leading edge, you know. So anyway, that's my quick little story uh, about 80s Gen X tech. It was, uh, it was fun. It was cool. And I remember the days before, before all of it, when we didn't have any computers, no video games, no videotape, no nothing. I am that old. And that's my story for today. Thank you so much for listening. Again, you can reach me on the internet at davidjacobsvoiceover.com. If you'd like to send me an email or get in contact for anything at all, david at davidjacobsvoiceover.com. Thank you again for listening and subscribing. Rate and, retu- rate and review, rather, on iTunes if you can. Tell a friend if you can. Or just hang out and stay subscribed. New stories coming very soon. Thank you.